How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today we're going to continue our study of the Book of Romans. We are up to chapter 13. Now, chapter 13 is a rather short chapter. Uh, we're not sure how far we'll get in this one, so if you have any comments, questions, please go ahead and ask away. There's a few things on the board that uh, we're going to be talking about uh, in this chapter. So there's a bunch of things I want to bring in this. So I hope you got your notepad and pens. Go grab your notepad and pen, grab your Bibles, grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. Now, um, going through Romans can be quite controversial. Uh, there's a lot of differing opinions, differing views and uh, on different uh points that are brought up and there's many different teachings of different doctrines and and whatnot um and everybody's allowed their their own thoughts on on these things but again we got to make sure that we are uh, first off in uh, in line with the biblical gospel we got to make sure that we understand the gospel itself of the lord god jesus christ who saves by grace through faith by belief alone if you do not believe that, then, well, you got a big problem. You need to understand who Jesus is according to the word of God, that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh, and that Jesus Christ paid for uh, our sins. He paid the full price. He, uh, his atonement, his work, his merit, his righteousness, everything that needed to be done on the cross. It, uh, it's a work of Christ, not our own. It's not of works. It's not of righteous works, not by works of the law. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Um, so we got to understand what the gospel is, that he, uh, he is the atonement for the sins of the whole world, and he opens the way of salvation for anyone to, uh, to be saved. Anyone can be saved is what the scriptures teach. So uh, we got to make sure we understand the gospel itself. Now, everything else that is not salvationary is what is called uh, 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 secondary doctrines. You have the primary doctrines, then you have the secondary doctrines. Primary doctrines are doctrines that in and of themselves affect the gospel, affect salvation. Like the deity of Christ, grace, faith, the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the death of Christ. So all of these things that in and of themselves affect our salvation. If you get those wrong, if you get any of these wrong, you go to hell. That, that's why they're called the primary. It's not so much as that they're more important. It's that, well, they're salvationary. And then you have others that are not salvationary, that are, that are called secondary doctrines. Like uh, like uh, people who discuss and argue about Noah's flood. Was it worldwide or local? Was uh, you have to wear hats or not hats in church for women? Or can you eat pork or not eat pork? Or uh, or all those other things. Or the uh, the arguments on election. Uh, so those are uh, secondary. They are not primary. So we can have. We can have differences of opinion. We can disagree on uh, other secondary views as uh, and still treat each other as brethren. Uh, all because we may disagree on a secondary point doesn't mean that we're enemies. So let's not treat each other as enemies in that regard either. So we got to be careful with that. So saying this is just to set this up as the preface for our study on Romans 13. I'm going to be bringing in some discussions of stuff that some people may disagree with. 
have differing views on. And if you disagree, okay, fine, sure, go ahead. That's, that's perfectly fine. But uh, again, I just would ask, show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. That, that's all I would ask. I, I don't want to hear why I think, I feel, my opinion, my beliefs, my interpretation. I don't want to hear this book, that book, that creed, that catechism, that comment. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear book, chapter, verse. I want to see from the word of God, from the scriptures alone, uh, that I want to see how I'm wrong. That's all I ask. And if you can show me from the word of God I'm wrong, I'll concede 100%. 100% I submit to the word of God and the word of God alone. The word of God is my conscience. My conscience is held captive by the word of God. And so I want to see from scripture how I'm wrong. So really setting this one up. Okay. <laughs> Romans chapter 13. So please grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13 and grab your notepad and pen and grab your tea. Grab your coffee. Now, it doesn't end there. Uh, we also need uh, to make sure that when we're studying the Word of God, that we are making sure that we are studying it as Bereans. We want to make sure that we are not cherry-picking a single verse or part of a verse. We want to pair with what we're reading with the rest of the Word of God. You see, a lot of problems come in. Um, people studying other doctrines is secondary doctrines when people are studying secondary doctrines is many a time we see that they are not correlating it with the rest of the word of god they're taking a single verse or part of a verse or single passage and building doctrines off of it without checking it with the rest of the entirety of the word of god because what it what they do many a time is people will come across something that strikes a chord with their personal opinions and because they don't want to endanger their personal opinions as being wrong, they'll just stick with what, what it says right there without checking it to make sure that they are reading it right, They making sure they are interpreting it correctly. Like, for example, and I'll just say it just, just to be that person, like, for example, the election argument. So what does the rest of the Word of God say on that one? And all the rest of it, you know, uh, about grace and saying uh, that grace is irresistible or the limited atonement or unconditional election, all the rest of that. Uh, many a time, this is the case, that people don't check with the rest of the word of God. Yes, yes, I know. I I set theological fires. I'm that person. I will squirt, uh, squirt the lighter fluid on that one. All right, so now, but what does the Bible say on this? Now, we want to check and make sure that we're really paying attention to the what, the what of the narrative. What is it flat out specifically saying? What is the literal face value of the text? Now, how do we do that properly? Well, you come, you come across something, back up, back up, read it again carefully. Like, for example, James chapter 2, that, that is the... Uh, probably one of the top main things that people are reading incorrectly saying that james 2 is salvationary faith on works is dead so the workspace salvationist takes that one and makes it salvationary when it is not so if you back up and go again through it carefully you see the literal face value is james is talking to christians are already saved he's talking about charity and christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith not maintenance of salvation so you want to back up, read again through it slowly, and go past. Make sure, make sure you are getting the full context of the narrative. 
And then we want to uh, back up and go again through it slowly, taking a look at the how. How is it specifically being said? Taking a look at the pictures and the images and, and also uh, uh, the, the meanings of the words. You want to take a look at the meanings of the words. Go again uh, back to the Greek and the Hebrew, see what the, the actual meaning of these words and things are, because sometimes it can add help, uh, uh, understanding and, and depth to it. Like, for example, John 8, 24, Jesus calls himself the I am. Unless you believe that I am, you die in your sins. I am means ego emi, meaning the always existing one. There are people who say, oh, you shouldn't shouldn't go back to the Greek and the Hebrew. Well, those people shouldn't bother. You shouldn't bother to listen to those people. Now, if we take a look at the how, the meanings of specific words, that also gives a lot of depth and understanding. So the how of it. So we got the what, the how, and now the why, which is now personal application, personal demonstration. Go live it, speak it, think it, do it. And we see that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And none of the scriptures are open to personal interpretation. What it says is what it means. But we also need to do the due diligence like the Bereans in Acts 17.11 to study and search out the scriptures to make sure these things are true. So with that said and really setting up a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the start of this. Now let's dive into this. Now we're in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, the reason for all of that intro is for us to understand the proper understanding of Romans 13, verses 1 to 3. And there's more in uh, chapter 13 about... Uh, uh, submitting ourselves to the laws of the land and all that kind of stuff. Now, how does that work? How does that work? Do, do we really, does that really mean that we have to subject ourselves and submit ourselves and obey all the authorities of governments and all the authorities of the rules and laws of the land? Now, hold up. Before you start freaking out, let's just see now what does the Bible actually say? All right. Because there are individuals who will pull Romans 13. As, as the argument that we are to obey all government mandates, all government laws and rules and regulations of everything. If the government says jump, we say how high. And that anything that comes down the road, we have to submit ourselves because, see, we have to be subject to the authority. Okay. Okay. Now, but what does the Bible say? So let's take a look. Now, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. So, when I was reading through this before, and I, I, I read slowly, carefully, and I say, okay, now who is he talking to? He's talking to Christians, right? He's talking to Christians. Now, what are the higher powers? What does it say? For there is no power but of God. There is no power but of God. There is no power but of God. Okay, hold that one. Put a pin in that. There is no power but of God. God's power. God's authority. God's word. 
supersedes, transcends everything. God's authority, God's power, God's word trumps everything. Okay? There's no power but of God. So as the title of this message is, the authorities, what authorities? The police, the government, the courts, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And see, right there, we see people will take that and say, see, all governments are set up by God. And say, if you go against them, then you're going against God. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I guess then God is responsible for the Aztec governments. Hmm? Aztec rulers, Aztec kings. I guess God is responsible for the Canaanite kings and rulers and governments, right? I guess God is responsible for, for Jezebel. God is responsible for Nero, for his slaughter of Christians. I guess the Christians should have submitted to Nero. Eh? I, guess, I guess God is responsible for Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and, and all of them. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, that, that is completely wrong. Now we're going to take a look at this in just a moment. Hosea chapter 8 verse 4. Please take a look at Hosea chapter 8 verse 4. What does God say? They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. So what does this mean? Look what it, look what it says. Look what it says here. They have set up kings, but not by me. So to say that all kings, all rulers, all governments are specifically set up by God is wrong. Contradicts the word of God. As Hosea 8.4 clearly says, clearly says, not all kings are of God. Not all kings are of God. Now we see, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be. Now what are the powers? Saying that the that powers there means individual men, women in charge of countries and nations is, is not correct. We want to see the powers. What is it that is ordained of God? The law. The law. We see the law of God. We see the, the ordinances of God where God set up government. God set up rulership. God set up the positions, the offices of rulership in government and law. And there are certain people who come in to, to take the place where they are the face of the representation of this which God set up. You see, God did set up government, but not all representatives of government are of God. All right? You understand that? There's no power but of God. So you see, we submit ourselves, we submit ourselves unto the authority, the power, the government of God. That's who we set up. Because here's the thing. Because look what it says in verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisted the power resisted the ordinance of God, and they shall, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Are you telling me that if I don't submit myself to Trudeau, I'm damned? 
How does that work? I didn't know following the government was salvationary. It's like, are, are you serious? There are certain people who would say that this is what this is saying. That it's, it's, it's saying that we need to submit ourselves to, indi to the individual governments. To the kings and the rulers and the princes and the queens and all the rest of it. That if we don't submit ourselves to the government control, that you're in trouble. You're against God. Nah, uh, no. No. That's dumb. Verse 2. Who's ever there resist the power? Resisting what power? That's God's power. God's word. God's uh, ruleship, God's authority, refusing to submit yourselves to what God has said, to God's authority, to God's word. Now, here's the thing. Why would you resist what God has said? Why would you resist God's law? Why would you resist God's instruction of what is sin and what is righteousness? In doing so, resisting like that shows you have no conviction of sin. You have no love of God. Which shows right there, you're not saved. Shows you're not saved. Resisting the ordinance of God. Resisting the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So right there you see the argument that some use where you have to submit yourselves to the government or else you're against God is not accurate is not properly correct when you study it out as the bereans and you search the scriptures you see it's not talking about the persons at more, more that it's talking about the position of government of law uh, of that which god has given for example we see the very first uh, uh, government is set up of, of, of codified law and government was with Moses and the Ten Commandments. And we see that the law, the powers that be, the government, is, the, is that which God has set up, as, which is his law. Which is his law. Now we see in verse, in verse 3 here. Verse 3, for rulers, rulers... Now, those that are in the position that God has set up, those that are taking the position as the faces of, the representatives of that which God has given, rulers are not a terror to good works. Okay, now hold up just for a moment. Rulers are not a terror to good works. What are the good works? What are good works? Now, you got to break it down. What are the good works? John 6, verses 28, 29. What shall we do that work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe in him and he hath said. So good works. Now who's talking here? What's the context? What are good works by God's standard? That which is in line with the word of God. The preaching of the word of God. The scriptures themselves. We see the gospel. For example. For example. We see in Canada where the Canadian government, Trudeau's cabinet, is a terror two good works where they banned the certain parts of the bible they shut down churches they arrest pastors and preachers and evangelists and they they they're a terror to christians nero was a terror to the christians so rulers are not a terror to good works now what rulers 
what rulers then? So we want to understand what are good works. Okay, now uh, rulers that are not a terror to that which God has set up. These ones are ones that we could see that that uh, are blessed of God, that God has given his voice to. Because we do see also in 1 Samuel chapter 8, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we see King Saul and King David. When the prophet Samuel came to Israel and the people demanded of him a king because they want to be like the other nations, we see that King Saul was the people's choice. King Saul was the people's choice. God's choice was King David. King Saul was a terror. Because what did Samuel say as the prophecies from God, how Saul will, will take their sons and take their daughters and take their land and there'll be a man of war and all kinds of terrible things will happen because of Saul. And they said, we don't care. We want, want him anyways. So they set up Saul. It was Saul was the people's choice. God's choice was David. And we see Saul was a murderous man, a wicked man, rebellious and stubborn. Where God, where God even uh, uh, de denounced him through through the prophet Samuel, seeing how his kingdom will be ripped from him and given to given to David. So you see, there are individuals in Hosea chapter eight verse four, which which we have seen, where certain certain rulers are set up blessed of God, certain rulers are not. How can we know which rulers are blessed of God, which ones are not? The ones that do not terrorize good works are ones that god can bless that god can work through that god can use those that are a terror to good works to proper law proper authority the proper instructions as god has given those that are a terror to good works are not of god so here's the thing do we submit ourselves to rulers who are a terror to good works should the christians in the early church have submitted themselves to caesar should they have gone and given the pinch of salt to the idol of caesar should they have obeyed him and and done everything that nero said what about the sanhedrin authority and government over israel should the christians the jewish christians have submitted themselves to the jewish authorities should they have listened to saul of tarsus you see, this goes back to Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. You see, the authority is not the authority of a person. The authority is the position of the office of government, of rule, uh, uh, that is based on law, which is based on God's law. God's law. What about laws? What about laws, mandates, protocols, rules, or whatever else that comes down the line? What about these uh, these laws, uh, things that come down, the governments and individuals, kings and princes or whatever? What about these things that they bring down that contradict the word of God? Do we submit ourselves? Do we subject ourselves to authorities and powers that contradict the word of God. No. No, we do not.
We ought to obey God rather than men. Because the powers that we subject ourselves to are the powers of God. God's standard, God's protocols, God's rules, God's mandates, God's laws, not man's. So we see verse 2, whosoever therefore resists the power, God's power. Not the individual kings and princes and, and governors. We don't submit ourselves to Nero or Herod or Nebuchadnezzar or Pharaoh. We don't submit ourselves to Ahab and Jezebel. We submit ourselves to the powers of God. Because the powers that be are ordained of God. What powers? The law of God. The ordinances of God. Verse 2, the ordinance of God. They that resist God. They that resist God's law, God's ordinances, will receive its own damnation because they're rejecting God. When you reject God, you're damned to hell. You're damning yourself to hell. You see that verse 2? For rulers that are of God, that, that fear God, that fear the word of God, that are not a terror to good works, but are a terror to the evil, now, evil by what standard? Good by what standard? Power of what standard? This is the question you need to ask yourself. Now, we see in, ver in Psalm 2. We also want to go back to Psalms chapter 2. And we see as well in Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They are a terror to good works. And so they against and against his anointed, against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cord from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. He will fight against these wicked kings and wicked rulers, the, these individuals that God did not set up. Hosea 8, 4. So you see Psalms chapter 2 combined with Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. Combined with Acts 4, 19 and 20, combined with Acts 5, verse 29, these are passages that, that all combine with Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to, uh, to 24, how individuals suppress the truth and unrighteousness and they make their own gods and the God hands them over to whatever they want. Combine this with Psalms, uh, Psalms 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned to hell and every nation that forgets God. So we see that that uh, those that reject the Lord, the Lord rejects them as a nation. And when God is kicked out, like for example in Canada. In Canada we see God is kicked out, God is censored, God is banned, God is cancelled by the Canadian cancel culture. We see God is kicked out of government, kicked out of school, kicked out of society. And we see uh, Psalms 9:17, the wicked shall be turned to hell and every nation that forgets God. When God is kicked out, what takes over? Because when God is set up, we see rulers like King David. We see individuals who fear the Lord, who fear the word, and are not a terror to good works. We see individuals are set up when God is feared, when God is over the nation. When God is kicked out, we see individuals coming in that God does not set up. Kings that, that are not of the Lord, Hosea 8.4, uh, uh, wicked rulers. Uh, God-hating rulers, Christ-hating rulers, Bible-hating rulers will take over. We do not submit to those. We submit to the law of God, 
and things that do not contradict the word of God. All right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So, okay. So you see, uh, there's many passages here that, that must be considered and brought into Romans 13. You can't just take Romans 13 by itself and overlay it or, or, uh, like so many people do and saying, see, you must submit yourself to, to, the, to these rulers even though they're wicked. That's a bunch of nonsense. That is um, that is misrepresenting the word of God. That's abusing scripture and that's cherry picking the word of God. That is a poor example of biblical study. All right, so verse 3. Romans 13, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? What power? Powers of God. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. All right, so people say, well, what about what about other things, the different mandates and rules, like, you know, the seatbelt law and all these things and speed limits and that kind of stuff. Well, that's not in the Bible. That's not of God. Well, okay. Okay, let's just think about that for a moment. Do seatbelts contradict the word of God? Do speed limits contradict the word of God? I'm talking about things that contradict the word of God, contradict the righteousness of God, contradict the law of God. Like we see in Acts 4 and 5, where the apostles say, we ought to obey God rather than men. What, what were they resisting? They resist and reject. We are to resist and reject and oppose those things that contradict the word of God, that contradict the righteousness of God, not contradict your 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 your, your uh, customs your personal customs your personal opinions and feelings and your personal desires all right and so we see the powers that be are ordained of god for there's no power but of god first one there's no power but of god verse four now these rulers that are not a terror to good works verse four for he is a minister of god to thee for good but if thou do that which is evil be afraid for he beareth not the sword in vain the sword of what the sword of justice where he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So you see, the point of law and government is to suppress evil, suppress unrighteousness, suppress uh, those things which are wicked. Okay? And, uh, the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him which, that doeth evil. Verse 5, Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Subject ourselves to that which properly represents that which is of God. Okay? Verse 6. For this cause pay ye tribute also, uh, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Pay tribute. Now this is where, you know, like for example, the taxes thing. Are taxes against God? No. What did Jesus say? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. So you see... That, that tax taxes in and of themselves technically do not go against the word of God. I know there are a lot of people groaning on that one. But show me from the word of God how, for example, taxes are wicked and we, we should resist taxes. Now, I do understand and I know that there are individuals who abuse that. You're not going to get an argument from me on that one. There are, there are governments that abuse the whole taxing thing. But taxes in and of themselves are not against the word of God. Okay, 
Verse 6, For this cause pay ye tribute also for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And then listening to the authority, listening to the governments, listening to those things that do not contradict the word of God. Now, this is where we also got to be very careful because there are individuals who try to take that one to say, well, my interpretation, my feeling, and they'll try to twist the word of God to fit their own personal opinions. And therefore, they'll accept or reject what is of the government based upon their personal feelings interpretation of the Bible. No, no, no. You can't do that. You know, take the Bible as a whole, do the full proper study, not cherry pick it to try try to find ways to justify your own personal opinions. What does the word of God say in and of itself? And heed to that. Don't abuse the word of God to fit your own personal opinions on things. Verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So we see uh, Christ likeness, Christ mindfulness. We see the love of the brethren. We see the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we have this right proper attitude, we talked about this the other day about this anarchist fighting bickering schismatic behavior which is not of god that's sowing disunity which god hates so we got to be careful now there are many professed christians out there who rail and and freak out and speak evil of authority speak evil of dignitaries speak evil of the governments that's a demonic thing go read the book of jude you ought not to do that as much as we don't like them as much as we don't like them we want to pray for their souls want to pray that they repent of their sins and believe the gospel so so you see the proper love of the spirit the love of the brethren as much as we may it may dislike the rulers that may be in position we need to pray for them more than we rail on them speak evil of no man render not evil for evil speak evil of no man now, okay, verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And obeying the law of God. When it comes to authority, government, law, the mandates of God, what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? So we want to study all scripture. Paying scripture is scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. So loving one another in, in Christ's likeness. And how the Lord would, would uh, be showing himself, be demonstrating himself. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. And fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord will also, also bring personal uh, subjection to the word of God, the law of God. Uh, what it says about our behavior and how we treat others. Alright. Now, in verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. But now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. For the, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So we see the argument that Paul's bringing into this as well is to represent the righteousness of Christ. To represent Christ in our behavior. To represent Christ in our treatment of government, the treatment of kings and stuff. For example, we see the apostles standing up before the Sanhedrin. 
We didn't see the apostles railing on the rulers, cursing them and mocking them and fighting them and spitting at them and everything else. And we didn't see them railing on the Sanhedrin. We didn't see them railing on the high priest. We didn't see them railing on the on the Pharisees and all of them. But rather, we see them just standing in gentle dogmatism on the word of God, saying we ought to obey God rather than men. All right, so we see Christ-likeness because the way we react to the kings and the rulers will, will be monitored, will be seen uh, by the sinners, by others. They will see how you react to opposition and how we react to opposition, how we react to the wicked, how we react to persecution represents our testimony represents Christ. You see Paul and Silas being beaten and whipped and put in stocks in the in the deepest uh, cell in the dungeon. Uh, and we see how they reacted to this. Greatly influenced the jailer and the other prisoners. So we got to be careful how we react to things. So we see by this so far, Romans 13. No, we we do not have to submit ourselves, subject ourselves to every law of the land, all the ordinances of men, so long as that as uh, as they're not contradicting the word of God. If they're contradicting the word of God, we do not have to submit ourselves to them. But for but for example, we got to be careful about interpreting it by our own personal standard, feelings, and opinions. Say, well, I just don't like the speed limits. I don't like the seatbelt. I don't like taxes. I don't like this and that. Okay. And people try to twist the word of God to fit their opinions. Uh, say, see, we don't have to submit. We ought to be God rather than men. Oh, really? Doing poor examples of this. Now, verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What are the works of darkness? We see, the, uh, we see good works. In verse 3, good works. Good works, now we see the works of darkness. So the works of light versus the works of darkness. What is the works of darkness? What are the works of darkness? Rebellion, stubbornness, hate, evil speaking. What are the works of darkness? No fear of God, no love of the brethren, no love of your neighbor, not loving your enemy. Not praying for those that, that, that hate that hate you. Not blessing those that curse you. Not forgiving those that have slighted and slandered you. See, works of darkness goes against Christ-likeness. Contradicts Christ-likeness. So we, we need to understand Jesus Christ. We need to understand Jesus Christ and his character, his personality, his behavior, his reactions to things. Why did he react in certain ways? Why did he say and do the things that he said and did? What, what, what were his reactions? How can you say what would Jesus do if you don't study the Bible to see what he did? So you see, put off the works of darkness. Put off hate. Put off evil speaking. Put off rebellion. Put off stubbornness. Now, there is a point where there is... justification for i want to say this very carefully righteous rebellion righteous rebellion righteous rebellion is where we rebel against wickedness 
We rebel against those things that contradict the word of God. We rebel against certain laws and rules of the land that go against the powers of God. Things that are a terror to good works, we rebel against. Now, how do we go about this? Uh, Quotation marks, righteous rebels. Our individuals, like the apostles, we ought to obey God rather than men. And what did they do? They went out and made placards, started screaming against the, 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 the Jewish rulers. No, no, no. They just went back and kept doing what they were doing. So, for example, for example, I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. I, I, I'm, uh, I go against certain mandates and rules of the land. Uh, because they say that I ought not to be preaching repentance on certain on certain sins. That is telling me that I ought not to uh, preach the word of God the way I do. That I'm not allowed to evangelize. I'm not allowed to gather together with the saints. I'm not allowed to sing hymns out loud and certain things. But I say I ought to obey God rather than men. And I just go and do what the Lord has already commanded me. God gave the law first and I obey his law over the laws of men. I obey the laws of God over the laws of men. And when the laws of men contradict the law of God, I ought to obey God rather than men. I don't make a big scene about it. I don't go, go out and rub it in people's faces. I just go and do what I'm supposed to be doing. And if, and if the wicked rulers don't like it, well, that's their problem. I'm going to keep doing what I need to be doing. Put off the works of darkness, which is pride, arrogance, obstinance. So and let us put on the armor of light, the armor of God. Ephesians 6, the armor of God. So faith, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. So we see the fruits of the Spirit. We see faith, the Word of God. See the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I represent righteousness. This is the armor of light. It's really hard to see shining light, isn't it? It's, it, it like For example, the, the, the light of God is, is rather dim, isn't it? The light of God is rather dim. That, that when you bring the light of God into a room, you, you hardly notice it. Right? The armor of light is not our armor. It's God's armor. He's the armorer. The one who makes the armor. He's the one that makes the weapons and makes the, the armor and stuff. And he gives us his armor that comes from his armory. And he clothes us, clothes us with it. And so this light that is then manifested, a light that is lit on, a candle that is on, uh, set on a hill cannot be hid. It's like a lighthouse, a beacon that shines and is seen from miles away. We stand out. This light is manifested, which is the character of the saints, which is the character of Christ. The character of Christ. So put off the works of darkness, which is the works of the flesh. Put off the desires of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh. Put off these things and put on the armor of light. Put off your will and put on God's will. Okay, so put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk honestly. Let us walk honestly. Okay, so to walk honestly, what does that mean? Honesty by whose standard? Honesty by whose standard? Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not rioting. Look what it says. 
not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, not in rioting and drunkenness. So you see, the behaviors that the flesh would want you to behave as, the, the, the way that the flesh, the way that the world would want you to react, the way the world reacts to things it doesn't like, we don't imitate that. We don't imitate that. What did the Christians do in Rome when the Caesars would bring down rules and laws and protocols and, and stuff that, that, that went against Christianity? What did the Christians do? What was their reaction? What did they do? What did they do? They kept doing what they were doing. They just didn't make a big scene about it. They just they kept gathering. And a wise man foreseeth the evil and hides himself, and sometimes they go underground. But they kept doing what they were doing. They kept they kept fighting the good fight of faith. They kept preaching the truth. They kept demonstrating Christ's likeness. They stood for the Lord and the fear of the Lord in all things. They they protected their testimonies of the of the saints. Let us walk honestly. In, in you say you're a Christian, be honest about it in your speech and behaviors and actions and desires. And we look at today, for example, what are some other things we could throw into this? That hypothetically, use your sanctified imagination. If the Bible was written today, would also be included in here? Social media. For example, the, in your, your writings, your letters, your social media, your videos, your, your entertainments, your lifestyles, your hobbies, your interests, your work life, your home life, your private life, your public life, everything. And everything that you do, be honest. And honesty of God. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not rioting of the flesh. The flesh wants war. The flesh wants war. Just as the flesh wants drunkenness. The flesh wants chambering and wantonness. That's, that's immorality and unbridled lust and fornication. Not in strife, bickerings and fightings and envyings. Verse 14, but, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we see we got to be very careful uh, how we go about things. we got to be very careful how we represent Christ because we are representatives of the Lord. We are representatives of the faith. That The eyes of sinners are upon us. We want to be honest. If we call ourselves Christians, what does this entail? All right, so there's another passage. Uh, one second. I'm trying to pull it up. Okay, one second. Um, I should have had this before, and I didn't, and that's my bad. Um, okay, there it is. That's what I want. You see, I can remember verses. I can't remember references. I, I don't know why struggled to remember references i can remember the verses so uh first peter 2 first peter chapter 2 so romans 13 is paired with first peter 2 i had this in my mind i just i forgot to write it down which is why i just had to 
find it. Okay, so First Peter 2, 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. All right, and this is where you can see how people will take that and say, see, you need to subject yourself to anything and everything that comes down the pipe. Really? You mean like abortion? You mean like shutting down churches? You mean like uh, banning, uh, banning repentance of sin? You mean like we ought to be God rather than men? So when it says submit yourselves to, but but it says submit yourselves to every ordinance of men, even sin. So are you saying that we should submit ourselves to sin if if certain individuals, certain men set up in certain positions and they and they make sinful wicked laws that we are to follow sinful wicked laws? Or is there a limit? Is there a limit? Is there a certain line in the sand that we do not cross? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake. So like, for example, in Canada, it is against the law. It is not, it's not suggestion. It's not an opinion. It's not a protocol. It's an actual law passed by a, a Canadian parliament. You are not allowed by law to say anything negative anything derogatory, anything against homosexuality, for example. That includes preaching. That includes you're not allowed to read certain passages of the Bible. You're not allowed to pray against. You're not allowed to speak against. You're not allowed to say anything or do anything against sodomy. Even me saying that word is technically against the law, but that's what the Bible calls. So I'm to submit myself to the ordinances of men who say say that the Bible is wrong. They call it a dangerous myth. They call the Bible a dangerous myth. So I'm supposed to submit myself to that. Or, or... Where the word of God says we ought to obey God rather than men. That's the fine line. That's the fine line. So. People cherry pick the word of God. They abuse scripture. And they don't pair scripture with scripture. And rightly divide the word of truth. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Look what it says. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of men. For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. So ordinances that the Lord blesses. Ordinances that don't go against the Lord. That don't go against the Lord's word. So, uh, so whether whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Like police, for example. And for, for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. That with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay. 
or 16 as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. Don't don't use this liberty uh, that we are given for liberty to the flesh, liberty to sin. Okay, so like for example, well, I don't like those laws, those laws, those rules, they don't apply to me because I don't like them, and they oppose me, and I I, I, I don't listen to only what's in the Bible, I don't, I, I don't need to listen to seatbelts, I don't listen to speed limits, I don't need to pay taxes. Okay, but again, do, uh, certain things that come down the line, do they contradict the word of God or not? That's the line that we look at. If certain rules, ordinances, laws, mandates, protocols, or whatever, they come down the line, we examine them by the word of God. If they contradict the word of God, we do not submit to that. We do not. We do not. Everything must be tested by the word of God in prayer. Tested by scripture. What does scripture say? No, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I believe? What does scripture say? My opinions, my interpretations are irrelevant. My feelings are irrelevant. What does scripture say? And we want to pair scripture with scripture, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. So, with that said, with that said, let's look at it again. Are all governments individuals in the government that are representatives of government um all, all presidents prime ministers kings and rulers are they all set up and ordained of god no the word of god says no some are some aren't those that are a terror to good works we do not have to listen to them what do we listen to? The powers that be ordained of God, for there's no power but of God. We listen to God's standard of law, his power, his authority, what he says. We don't listen to the laws of men, we listen to the law of God. Now, rules and ordinances of men that do come up, that can be backed up and blessed, and blessed by the Lord, are those things that do not contradict the word of God. Do you see that? Please tell me this makes sense. Please tell me this makes sense. You understand what I'm saying? Please give me a thumb, a thumbs up. Give, uh, uh, give me a thumbs up or something to tell me that uh, you get it, you agree, or even if you disagree. If you disagree, you disagree. Okay, but show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. Now, so the point of this, as we see in Romans 13, as Paul's trying to help people to understand, is not all kings and rulers that, that are set up are actually of God. But we want to take a look at the, the, the office of government. We want to see the position of itself, of government, of that which is the power, the law that we submit to. We don't submit to men. We don't bow the knee to any man. We don't bow the knee. We, we do not bow the knee to any man, any individually bow the knee only to, to the Lord. So when they come down the line, you, uh, we command you not to speak in the name of Jesus. But we ought to obey God rather than men. We command you not to gather together for church. We ought to obey God rather than men. We, we command you and tell you that, that you can't sing hymns out loud. We ought to obey God rather than men. We tell you you can't evangelize. We ought to obey God rather than men. You're not allowed to hand out tracts. you got to keep distance. We ought to obey God rather than men. So you see that there is a certain line. We tell you you can't condemn sin. We ought to obey God rather than men. 
You're not allowed to read certain passages of the Bible. We ought to be God rather than men. So you see, not all laws, not all rules, not all ordinances are of God. There are many laws, rules, ordinances, mandates, and protocols that we are to resist. Now, we don't make a big scene about it. You don't have to rub it in people's face or whatever. It's just keep going doing what you're supposed to be doing. And when they bring along these things and they shove this garbage and nonsense in your face, you just ignore it. Just ignore it. So, want to be careful? Want to be Christ-like? Want our speech to be always salted with grace that so that we may know how we ought to answer every man? And we want to remember who we represent. Who we represent. Who are we citizens of? God is our king. He's our ruler. We're of heaven. Technically, I'm not a Canadian. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a Christian. You are not American, German, whatever, wherever you are that, that you're, where you're listening to this. You're a Christian. And you're a citizen of heaven. You obey the laws of heaven. Now, yes, as ambassadors, we we'll go to another nation. Ambassadors, uh, like, for example, uh, let's say an ambassador from Germany uh, comes over to the United States. Do they have to listen to the laws of the land of the, uh, of the United States? Yes. But what if it's certain things that completely go against the, the rules and the protocols of Germany? Do they have to obey that? No. They re they're a representative of Germany. They're a citizen of Germany. So we see as we're of heaven. We obey the laws and the rules and the protocols, the mandates and things of our land. Our land is heaven. The kingdom of God. We do not obey the laws of the earth, of the world, of sin and flesh. We do not obey men. We obey God. So we want to be very careful. Making sure we represent that which is of our kingdom, which is of our king, our governor, our magistrate, our ruler, our God. We're representatives of our God. We're representatives of Christ. Did Christ listen to every ordinance of men? Did Christ obey all the laws of the land? Or there's certain things that he did not do. Certain people he wouldn't even speak to. When he was when he was commanded to speak by the kings, then when he stood before them, Jesus said not a word. He didn't respect them. Jesus didn't respect Herod. Because Herod did not respect God. Herod chopped off the head of John the Baptist, and Jesus wouldn't even speak to him. Didn't respect him. So we see silence. You don't always have to say say things. You don't always have to speak up. Silence. Some silence is sometimes the most uh, uh, vocal answer you could give to opposition. So just some things to think about. I know this is a bit of a shorter study. They were going for well about one hour, so it's not that short. That's good enough. So that's Romans chapter 13. Any comments, questions, issues, insights, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right, going down through here. All right, so um, 
again, the beginning here before we went live, there's a topic came up again uh, regarding John Calvin. I did a, a previous video explaining uh, John Calvin uh, and his position on certain things and his personal beliefs. And as well, as I mentioned, you want to check out our playlist on Calvinism and Scripture. Please make sure you check that out. It's a huge topic and I can't go into detail of it right now, but please go check that stuff out. Okay, so going down. Mia says, hello everyone, blessings to all. Good to see you. Please could you pray for me because I've started to study to become a nurse. Awesome. Absolutely be praying for you. Um, so yeah, so uh, brothers and sisters, if you please pray for Mia and that, that the Lord would guide her, the wisdom of the Lord, the fear of the Lord be, up, be upon her and you he would guide her in that. Uh, yes. And uh, so yeah, so if there's any other topics, uh, things regarding our study at hand, please by all means go ahead and ask away. Uh, but again, this study as we see, Romans 13, we gotta know context, okay? Proper biblical context. If you don't have biblical context, you're gonna get it all twisted up and wrong. You're gonna represent this, uh, the, what is said wrong. So, there are, cert there are certain points, there are certain limits, there are certain lines in the sand that we can't cross. We obey the word of God. We're, we represent the kingdom of God in anything, anything, anything. doesn't matter what it is. Anything that would endanger that. Anything that would contradict that. We do not submit. You do not bow the knee. You don't have to rail and scream and spit and curse. Just stand in gentle dogmatism on the word of God. Gentle dogmatism on the word of God. What does it say? We ought to obey God rather than men. So there you go. There we go. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up there. I hope this has been a, a, a comfort and a help and encouragement to you. If you enjoy these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. we got tons and tons of goodies on our other playlists here on our channel. Um, make sure you check that stuff out as well as our website christiancoffeetime.ca we got tons of goodies there and i also want to uh uh just mention really quickly my bad i did a bad thing i did a bad thing um <laughs> uh back in this past fall this past fall uh we went on vacation and as we generally do uh, we put uh, the uh, Christian Coffee Time Etsy shop on holiday mode because well, we're not home and we can't mail stuff out when we're off on vacation. So we put the shop on holiday mode so people can't really purchase anything. Uh, so the shop was closed. Well, we completely... I completely forgot about that until it was yesterday or the day before and we're like oh no we, for we forgot to, to put it back on regular mode so <laughs> we took it off holiday mode so the Etsy shop is open that was my bad I, I forgot uh, so anyways the Etsy shop is open there you go so please make sure you check that out we got a bunch of goodies there bookmarks posters notebooks and all kinds of other goodies and stuff there so please make sure you check it out as well as our other other sites and we have also updated our website uh, the Christian Coffee Time website updated it we got tons of new messages and links we even have uh links to our podcasts 
So if you want to listen to podcasts, uh, you can check out the link there, which will take you to the different uh, uh, streaming services that, that you could use that we stream on. So there you go. Anyways, with that, there you go. So check out our different playlists, check out our website and all the goodies there, as, uh, as well as take advantage of the free downloadable PDFs of gospel tracks. So you can print them off, fold them, cut them out, fold them up yourself and hand them out. And it's free. You can keep the PDF free, hand the PDF around as well. So others can print off more. So check that out. So there you go. Um, yeah, just feels like we're ending really early, but we've been going for an hour, so I guess it's good enough. So with that, I'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. <laughs>